praise, church. Hallelujah. You know, the best we can do is such a feeble effort, such a feeble effort for who he is and what he means to us. Amen? I want you to take your Bibles real quickly to Joshua chapter number 7. Remain standing for just a moment as the choir finds their place. Joshua chapter number 7. We're going to be talking about a subject today that, that I believe that is really, really important. Uh, I think every time we come it's important, but this is one that's... We, we are living in a, in a day when Christians are walking around defeated. They're walking around uh, uh, having no joy, no victory, no uh, nothing. Matter of fact, everything that God wants you to have, we're missing. Peace, joy, happiness, excitement. How many of y'all believe God wants you to have a great life? Jesus said, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But we're walking around with everything but that, living a defeated life. And that shouldn't be the case. The Bible says we are more than conquerors through him. We are victors, not victims. Say that with me. We are not victims. Amen. We're going to read a story. We're going to read a story about a great general. Uh, uh, this man, uh, he knew something about fighting. He was a warrior. He was a fighter. He was a scrapper. He, he was the next in line, next in command to Moses. And, and, and we, we see a time when they came out of Egypt all the way to what we're going to read today. They had an undefeated record. Undefeated. There's nothing like hearing the word undefeated. But here we have a problem. They ran into a situation that we're going to talk about today that many of us get into uh, in our lives. All right, Joshua 7 in verse number 1. If you found your place, say amen. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai which is beside Bethaven on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed I, and they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up. Ain't that big a deal? Ain't no big thing. Don't let all the people go up. But just, just about two or 3,000 men go up and smite I, and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. That's pretty, pretty confident words, isn't it? So there went up thither the people, about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them about 36 men. For they chased them from before the gate, even into Shebarim, and smote them in the going down. Wherefore, the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Father, please help us today. Lord, I pray that you'll be with all those that are fighting allergies and colds and all this kind of stuff. Lord, help us to, uh, Lord, help us to hang in there. Lord, I pray that you'll please move in an awesome way today. Give us what we stand in need of. This is such a truth that we need to know. Lord, please help us to be victors. Help us to be conquerors. Lord, help us to walk high. Help us to, Lord, live a life that has, is so full of victory. And we can live a life that when we stand before you, we can say what a mighty God we serve. Lord, I praise you and I thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, here's, here's let, let's, let's catch up. Let's catch up to where we are. In Joshua chapter number 1, Joshua chapter number 1, Moses has died. Moses has died. 
uh, you know, he led the children of Israel out of, out of Egypt, and here they are, come through the wilderness, and Joshua is his next in command. Uh, uh, and we get to a place where we're fixing to go into Canaan's land. Joshua chapter number 1, Moses dies, and Joshua comes to the forefront. Joshua is now commissioned. He is now the official leader. He is now the official head over the nation of Israel. And in Joshua chapter number 1, God is commissioning him. God is encouraging him. God is commanding him and giving him his responsibilities, giving him the details of what he needs to do. And one great verse in this particular chapter that I want you to really ingrain in your mind, I mean really, really drill it down into your mind, God tells Joshua this. He says, all the days of thy life, all the days of thy life, no man shall stand before thee, In other words, nobody's going to be able to come against thee all the days of thy life. No man shall come against thee because as I was with Moses, so shall I be with thee. Are y'all with me? In other words, in other words, Joshua, you're going to have an undefeated season. If anybody comes against you, they're going to come against me. It's not fighting you. They are fighting me. And you are going to be victorious in everything you do. Now, if you'll study that chapter out, you'll find out he gives him some stipulations. He said, as long as you stay in my word, as long as you don't turn to the left or turn to the right, and you follow my commands and you do what I tell you to do, I'm going to be with you. And if God is for us, who can be against us? So going into this book, we understand that God intended for Joshua to have an undefeated season. God intended for Joshua to go into every battle, to go into every situation, to face every trial, to face every battle, and he was to come out a winner on the other side. I don't know about you, but that gives me encouragement and hope and to know that the God I serve, every valley I go through, every battle that I face, God intends and expects for me to come out on the other side a winner. Amen? That's what he says. That's what that verse means. He said, nobody's going to be able to stand against you. You're going to win everything you do as long as you follow me. Well, that's great. We know that they cross the Jordan River. God gives them instructions. They cross the Jordan River, and here they are. They come to this big fortress. I mean, this place called Jericho. This is not just any city. This is a major city. This is a major fortress. Uh, This is a citadel, if you will. And this is the heart of Canaan. And here we're going, if we get Canaan, we've got to get Jericho. Well, God gives him just clear instructions. Y'all know the story. I don't have to go back. I've got to save time. Uh, he, he follows exactly to the letter what God told him to do. The walls of Jericho fell in. Uh, uh, bam, 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 boom, boom. Victory. Say amen. All right. Now, but there's only one problem. Before they went in, before they went in, God said, okay, when you do go in and you're going to go in, you're going to whoop them and I'm going to give it to you and everything's going to be fine. And matter of fact, guys, they lost nobody. They're in a battle. They lose nobody. Nobody dies. I mean, they are completely, totally victorious. He said, but everything in there is a tithe to me because God wants our heart, and by getting our heart, he wants our first fruits. And if we give God first fruits, he has our heart. Say amen. Jericho was a type of tithe for the Canaan's land, for the promised land that God was giving them. And he says, everything there comes to me first. Now, everything else, I'm going to give you wells you didn't dig. I'm going to give you vineyards you didn't plant. I'm going to give you houses you didn't build. I'm going to bless you beyond your wildest imaginations. But I need to know I have your heart before we go into this. And I want you to bring everything into the treasury, all the gold, all the silver, all the spoils, they are mine. Are you all with me? Guess what? Somebody didn't. Somebody stole the tithe. And because of that, 
Israel was cursed. Israel was cursed. Well, that's where we are here in chapter 7. We have this great victory in Jericho. We have this unbelievable victory. This was just a supernatural thing. God just did it in an incredible way. And now we go into chapter number 7, and Joshua's all jacked up, man. I'm telling you, he's all excited. He's got this big victory under his belt. This is really the first first big deal for him since he became the numero uno. I mean, he is the man. He's got this. He says, boys, what do y'all think we need to do? Send up some spies. They come back. Say, ain't no big deal. Don't worry about it. They ain't nothing compared to Jericho. He says, all right, let's go here. And y'all see what happened. Now, here's the deal. Most of you in here are going to think, well, I know what happened. I know why they were defeated. It's because Achan took that stuff. Not so. How many of y'all believe that everything rises and falls on leadership? I do. You see, Joshua was in charge. Joshua was the man. Joshua got all jacked up and said, here we go, let's go do this. And really, in all reality, he said, look what we did to Jericho. Don't worry, God, I got this. You know when you need to be the most wary and the the most sober and the most vigilant? It's not after your greatest defeat. It's after your greatest battle that you won. Because sometimes we get to thinking in our human nature that it was us and not him. And if you go study Jericho out, you'll find out that it was all God. I mean all God. But he says, go ahead, do it. They They get splattered. 36 men die. 36 men made widows. Joshua had to attend 36 funerals that day for a few reasons. And those reasons are what I want to talk about today. The next three weeks, we're going to be discussing defeat. Today, we're going to talk about the anatomy of defeat. How did this take place? What happened? What did he do to cause this to happen? Next week, we're going to talk about the effects of defeat. What happens when we are living in defeat? Many of y'all here today, you're wondering why you're feeling what you're feeling. You're wondering why you're going through a depression. You're wondering why you're feeling uh, so... It's because we're living in defeat. And we're not supposed to. We're supposed to be living in victory. Then the third week's going to be the antidote for defeat. promise you, you don't want to miss that one. That's, that's going to be my favorite one right there. Amen? Now, how many of y'all are ready to find out why he lost the battle? Say amen. I, when I was a little kid... When I was a little kid, I, I played uh, for the Little Mighty Dolphins, uh, Little Pop Warner League, and, and we was a little fella. And, and, and that was really my first experience uh, with, with playing sports, organized sports and all that kind of thing. And, uh, and we had some good people. I was just a little old bitty thing. I'm telling you, I've always been kind of little till God had a sense of humor and changed everything. I don't know what the deal is with that either because when I wanted to be big, I was little. Now I want to be little and I'm big. I don't like that. Say amen. But anyhow, at that particular time, at that particular time, we went three years in a row, never lost a game. I mean, we were bad to the bone. It was just, I mean, not even close. There wasn't even a close game. We just slaughtered everybody. Well, come that fourth year, everybody, you know, a lot of the better people that was better and and everything, they they moved up in weight class, and I was always little, so I stayed down in weight class. Well, I'm going into year four, and we're supposed to win. You're not supposed to lose. We're the mighty dolphins. It don't matter. And I had in my mind that the very first game, we got killed. I'm talking about killed. I, I almost lost my mind. 
I mean, it was like, what was, uh, what? The, my world was coming to an end because we don't lose. And I mean, I didn't even want to play no more. I didn't, I just had this in my mind. Uh, if we can't win, I don't want to play. And guess what? How many Christians today are living their Christian life in defeat because of a loss that they can't get over? Why did that happen? Why did they fall to I when they just whipped Jericho? Well, I believe two things. I got three, but I don't think we'll get to three. We'll just cover the two today. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. I believe the first thing that took place that Joshua did in his failure and, and his leading up to defeat was this. Number one, he acted without asking. He acted without asking. And, I, and, I, and I'll, I'll prove that. The Bible says, and, and, and I'm going to give you, I'm not going to read them out to save time, but I'm going to just give them to you. You can look them up later. Joshua 1.1, 1, 1, Joshua 3.7, Joshua 4.1, Joshua 4.8, Joshua 4.10, Joshua 4.15, Joshua 5.2, Joshua 5.9, Joshua 5.13, and 15, and Joshua 6.1. All have to do with Joshua going to God, God giving Joshua instructions, and Joshua doing those instructions. And every time, now watch this now, every single time that he went to God, God told him what to do, he did it, they won. Every time he got instructions from God, every single time he got instructions from God, they were successful in whatever manner it was or whatever they were trying to accomplish, whether it was the crossing of the Jordan River, whether it was conquering Jericho. And what am I saying? I'm saying this. He acted without asking. He was so jacked up about Jericho. He was so excited about what happened over here in this great victory. He didn't slow down long enough to talk to God about what's going on. You say, but oh, preacher, it was aching in what he did. It was the sin in the camp. It was the accursed thing. No, I beg to differ. I believe with all of my heart the response Responsibility was laid in Joshua's lap and if Joshua would have stopped the minute and said okay God that's one down what do we do next what do you think about this next city and God would have said I wouldn't go nowhere because there's a problem and all he had to do was ask do you know when we get in trouble you know when the, I, I can look back over my life I can look back over my life and the greatest disappointments in my life, the greatest defeats in my life is when I decided to run the show, I decided to get in charge, I decided to move forward and don't ask God about it. Say amen. We get in relationships without talking to God. We get into business relationships without talking to God. We make decisions in our life without talking to God. We do everything. And, and, and this, little tired, this little tired saying that everybody thinks is so funny and, and, and runs in the ground, well, we'll just get forgiveness and, and not ask permission. Uh, let me tell you something. When I get forgiveness and not ask permission, I still got to pay the consequences for the stupid thing I did. I need a witness. You can get forgiveness all you want to, but sometimes we have to pay the consequences for the sin when it would have been just as good to say, what do you think, Lord? Well, I will just go to the school of hard knocks. Tuition's way too high. God, what do you think about it? God, what do you think about this person that that I'm, 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 I'm wanting to date. God, what do you think about this person that I'm wanting to marry? What do you think about this job that I'm, I'm wanting to have? I remember one time when me and Tammy, we, we had just got married, and I was, I was working at the golf course. I was in, in uh, Bible college, and 
and, uh, and, and I went to pick her up from her work. She worked at a, a, a daycare. At that, wasn't that right? It was a daycare. And one of, the, one of the ladies that had her child at daycare worked at a, 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 a locksmith. Uh, they, they owned a locksmith company. And uh, they seen me pick her up, and they said, well, is he looking for a job? Would he like another job? And, and they offered me a job. I didn't even pray about it. I didn't even ask. Not, they, asked, they offered me a job for just a few more, you know, I don't know, a quarter more, 50 more cent an hour or something like that. It was a little bit. But how many of y'all know when you're poor, a little bit seems a lot? I mean, that might as well have been $5,000 an hour. You know, oh, man. I, I said, yeah, I'll take it. Just ran over there, and here we go. I left a, a job that worked around my school that worked around any need I have. If I, if I needed anything, they were always there for me. They were always doing anything I needed. I didn't even ask God. I just figured God knew what 50 cent was. Amen? Run over there and just here we go. And, and, and it wasn't just a, just a few months into the deal. Uh, uh, the guy, we was talking about something, and, 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 uh, and I said, well, I said, I've got, I've got school tonight, so I'm not going to be able to. He said, you need to, you need to figure out what you want to do. Number one, it made me mad. And I thought to myself, well, bud, we talked about this before, you know, because I told him I was in school. Oh, no problem. No problem. He said, you need to decide what you want to do. And, uh, and I thought, I'm deciding it right here. And, and I'm still not getting it. I'm still not getting it. God's starting to burden me and convict me. And, uh, and uh, the, very, the following week, we went to uh, one of, the, one of the, the industrial plants that were there, and we was, was changing out a door. We was changing out an outside door uh, that had messed up, and, uh, and, and we were sitting there, and this was, it was off hours, it was like 4 or 5 o'clock, and I'm already, you know, late for school and thinking, man, I need to be gone. We're sitting here, and I got a screwdriver about this long, and we're trying to pry this thing on this door, and he's on this side, and, and here come cop cars flying across the lawn. I mean, from every, lights flashing, everything, not no sirens, just lights flashing. Here they come, and I look, I thought, man, there must be a problem. We're here jacking on this door, you know, trying to get in this door. And, 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 and man, they see us, and here they come. And the, and the guy said, oh, man, somebody's done hit an alarm on the inside. Alarm, there was an alarm tripped on the inside that sent a code to the police department that there was an armed burglary. Not somebody breaking in, an armed burglary. Now, y'all know, I, I've never been in trouble none of my, I mean I grew up a really restricted and you know and, and I, I didn't know nothing about none of that stuff well he says well I'll go talk to him so guess what I kept doing well I just happened to corner my eye I happened to corner my eye when he got to the police car the car the guy got out and grabbed him and slammed him on the hood of the I went He said, you come here now. And I'm like, okay. I didn't drop the screwdriver or anything, so I'm coming to this cop with this screwdriver. It's just as wide open as I could come. He points the gun at me and says, throw that down. I said, yes, sir. Amen. He's got us up against the fence. I'm really mad now. And God kind of whispers in my ear, how you like your job? <laughs> Listen, that next night was Thursday night, and that's when we had our midweek service. 
And that night I surrendered to God to go back to my other job. Amen. I didn't even ask. I didn't even talk to God. God had everything planned out for me. And here I go jumping to a... Didn't even... Guys, let's slow down. We need to start in our decision making. Let's slow down. Why should I ask him? Because he's already been in your tomorrow. Why should I ask him? Number one, he loves you more than you could ever even fathom. I mean, he has every hair on your head numbered. He loves you beyond your wildest imagination, number one. Number two, he knows everything. He knows everything that's going to happen tomorrow. He knows everything that's going to happen uh, Tuesday. He knows everything that's going to happen Wednesday. Why? He's already there. He's there now. Some of y'all won't get that till tonight. He's Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He knows what we need. Don't you think it would be smart to ask him? Okay. None of y'all think that? Then say that. Amen. I've got a cold today. I need help. Allergies are messing me up. Get with me. Amen. How many of y'all believe God loves you? How many of y'all believe God knows better than we do? You see, he acted without asking. He never asked God anything. The second thing he did, and I think this is where we, we really mess up, and we're, this is the worst part of what most Christians are dealing with and doing to cause defeat in their life. The second thing he did, Watch what, watch what happens. He sends the spies. He sends the spies. They come back. In verse number 3, And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up. Say that with me. Let not all the people go up. Say it with me. But let about two or 3,000. Let them go smite. It ain't no big deal. Don't make all the people labor thither, for they are but a few. All right? Flip your page and go to Go to Joshua chapter 8, verse 1. Or if they got it up here, they ought to have it up here. There we go. Joshua 8, verse 1. Watch this. And the Lord said. Who said it? And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. What he say? Take them all. Man said, take a few. God said, take them all. What's the point? He not only acted without asking, he accepted the wrong advice. This is where we're messing up, people. We are listening to every person around us telling us everything in the world. And by the way, everybody loves giving advice. How many of y'all just irritate you a little bit to get advice? Especially from certain folks, amen? Why do most people give advice? Because they want you to think they're smarter than you are. And the second thing is, they like to be heard. But guess what the Bible says? Uh, Psalms 1.1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the what? Ungodly. Now it is beyond me, it is beyond me why so many people, so many Christians who go to church every week, 
who supposedly read their Bible, they go to so many of the wrong people to get counsel from. I, I, don't, I don't get that. I don't understand that. Here we go, Joshua, he didn't talk to God, he didn't ask God, and then here we are, he's in a situation where he sends spies out, they come back, and they give him wrong advice. And he took the advice, and he was defeated. Now here's the deal. I wrote down just a couple things, and if you didn't get anything, if you didn't get anything of anything today, this is what you need to get. Because if you'll do this, you'll, you'll, you'll live undefeated. I'm telling you, if you'll follow these rules, if you'll follow these steps, I say rules, if you'll follow these guidelines when it comes to getting counsel, you'll be okay. Number one, if I'm going to get counsel from somebody, if I'm going to receive, and I believe in counsel, I do. I believe that there's a safety in a multitude of counselors. I mean, I really believe. I don't believe you need to marry anybody without talking to somebody about it. You need to know, it's, it's like this. You can't judge a dog on one night's hunt. Say, what do you mean? I took a dog the other night. Remember that dog I was telling you about, Jeff? The, the dog that I said was going to be really good? He looked really good that night I took him with the other guys, and the other guy was going to buy him. And I mean, I was just just foaming at the mouth. I need this dog because this dog looked real good. But it dog didn't really look as good as it's supposed to look because there was another dog that was running with it that looked really good, and that dog was tag-teaming with this dog over here. And when this dog went by itself, he wasn't worth a quarter. Say amen. So now I got to... I've got a dog in the pen. Amen. I'll just leave it right there. You can't, you, you, well, well we've been dating a, a couple days. They're always going to put their best foot forward. Are y'all with me? Dating doesn't prepare you for marriage because they're always going to wear their best shirt. They're always going to be nice and everything until you marry them. And when you put that ring on, there's a chemical imbalance that takes place and they change into something that you said, what in God's name did I marry? Because it ain't what I've been with the last four days, amen? How many of y'all believe if it's God's will for you to get married to somebody, it will be two years from then? Oh, I don't know why you're talking. You didn't wait that long. That's why I'm telling you. Tammy, will you testify to this? Yeah. See, she'll testify. I ain't saying nothing that I wouldn't say right in front of her. She'd, yeah. <laughs> Counsel. Take your time, young people. Who do I need to listen to? All right, number one. Who do I need to listen to? Number one, they got to be saved. They got to be saved, period. They've got to be saved. If you're going to get counsel from them for the decisions you make in your life, they need to know the same God you know. They have to be saved. They need to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. They need to be saved. Number two, they need to be spiritual. They need to be spiritual. You say, why do they need to be spiritual? Because there's some people that say, but they ain't walking right with God. There's some people that save so as by fire. In other words, they're going to make it in, but barely. Are you all with me? I love my brother to death. He's good as gold, and he's, he's my hero and all that kind of stuff. But he's he, he not walking close as he needs to be. I believe he's saved. I believe he knows God, but 
he, he's, he's just in that, he's a good old boy and all that. Now, here's what we do. We get friends that are close to us, and they're good old people and all this kind of stuff, and, and we think, well, they, they, they kind of know something. They go to church. Lost people go to church. Hoodlums go to church. Are y'all with me? I'm oversimplifying this, but I'm doing it for a reason because we're not getting this. We don't need to just accept anything from anybody and just the fact, well, they go to church. You can, you can park in a garage, but that don't make you a car. Say amen. They need to be spiritual. They need to be spiritual. They need to walk. And you can, you can tell. You can tell. If they got to tell you they're spiritual, they're not spiritual. If they're arrogant and cocky and all that kind of, they're not spiritual because Moses was the meekest man on the planet. He was very spiritual. Jesus was a servant to men. He was very humble. He was very spiritual. Not only do they need to be saved, they need to be spiritual. Number three, they need to be scriptural. If they give you counsel or advice, they need to be able to show you in the Bible where they're getting that counsel from. It's very important. It's very important. The guidelines that Joshua was to follow was in Joshua chapter 1. In the main part of those guidelines, he said, keep my law, keep my word, keep the principles that I want you to live by. Don't turn the left hand, don't turn to the right. You need to read them in the morning, you need to read it at night. Keep them close to your heart because as long as you follow these, you're going to be successful. In the, in the, in the terminology in, in your Bible, it says this, you're going to prosper whithersoever thou goest. Are y'all with me? I don't like that prosperity stuff. Well, you, you got to get Joshua chapter 1. It's there. The word is there. Are y'all with me? If you do that, you follow God's word. He's the architect. He's the one that designed this whole thing. I think he ought to know how to run this deal. Amen? They need to be scriptural. They need to be able to back up. People get really mad at me when they come to council because they want to operate in feelings. I'll say, well, look, they'll give me a problem. I'll say, well, here's what I think you need to do. Uh... Uh, the Bible says right here that this is this, and this God is my witness. This is what they'll say. Well, I really don't feel like that's necessary. I want to say, did did I charge you to come in here? So you're wasting my time. You just ask me what I think, and then you just why are you going to ask me? Preacher, you're venting. I've got a cold and an allergy. I'm allowed to say amen. Feelings is what got us in this mess to begin with. When we, how many of y'all know feelings are very deceptive? Tammy does not always feel in love with me. Right? True. But she hangs in there, amen. Your feelings change with the weather. It's not about feelings. It's about facts. And the problem is we surround ourselves with people who want to give us counsel and advice that operate in feelings. And you're going to be an emotional mess. It's not about feelings. It's about facts. Let's stay scriptural. And this is really important to me. This is really important to me. I don't, y'all might not think this is important, but this is really important. they got to be saved. They need to be spiritual. They need to be scriptural. They need to be successful. I had a guy... been married about four times four or five times and wants to tell me 
how I'm supposed to in my marriage. I got a slight problem with that. Don't y'all? I mean, if you're going to teach me how to fight, you better be able to whoop my butt. Say amen. Don't come tell me how to do something and you failed at it. Don't go to somebody that's been in bankruptcy seven times and say, can you give me some financial advice? Go to somebody who's done it. Go to somebody who is successful. Go to somebody who is safe. And and let me say this. Let me say this. Let's put all these together because i got to hurry. I don't run out of time. They may be successful, but they may not be spiritual or saved or scriptural. What do we do then? Stay away from them. Because whatever they became successful at, if they didn't do it scripturally, you're going to be in trouble. That's why they all go together. Don't accept the wrong advice. Please, whatever decisions you're making, whatever direction you're going. And I got, there's a Bible illustration of this. Rehoboam, the the son of Solomon, he comes to the throne after Solomon dies. And he says, look, he says, look, he goes to the old men that counsel Solomon and says, what, what do we need to do here, guys? What, 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 here, I'm, I'm new to this, and what, what do we need to do? He said, you need to back off a little bit. They are so burdened by taxes. They are so burdened by all these deals. You need to back off a little bit, ease up on them, become their servant, and they will serve you for life. Well, then he turned around, and he went to the young men, the Bible says, that grew up with him, his buddies. And they said, i tell you what you need to do. You need to tighten down on them. You need to get worse on them. You need to let them know, show them who's boss. And, hey, let's, let's, let's get down with this. And really, and he forsook the wisdom of the old men, and he went with the young men, and he split the kingdom. What are you saying? Sometimes the closest to you are the least ones that's going to tell you the truth. And it should be the opposite, but that's not always the case. Because sometimes when emotions and feelings get in the way and people really love you, they won't tell you the truth. I'd rather somebody tell me the truth. Even if I didn't like the truth they're telling me, I'd rather somebody make me mad and tell me the truth. The Bible says the wounds of a friend and the kisses of an enemy. The kisses of an enemy are deceit, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. Are you all with me? What calls this? What's the, what's the anatomy of defeat? What calls this defeat in this situation? He acted without asking. He accepted the wrong advice. And the third one, if you just want to write this down, he just assumed a willing attendance. He just assumed God was going to be with him. He just assumed that God was going to be there. We'll go up there. God's going to be with us just like he was the last time. And you know what brings this to mind? Solomon, not Solomon, Samson. Samson playing around with his anointing. Samson playing around with the gift that God gave him. And he's messing around with Delilah. She cuts his hair off and jumps up. He says, the Philistines are upon thee. The Philistines are upon thee. And he jumped up like he thought he always would. But here's a sad verse in the Bible. But he wist not that God was not with him. We're going to play around and play around and play around ladies and gentlemen, in our Christian life to the point that we think God's always going to be there. God has mercy on stupidity sometimes. He really does. But there's going to come a line and there's going to come a point where you're going to jump up and you're going to think you're going to take this tiger by the tail and you're going you're to conquer just like you've always conquered and you're going to go forward like you and you're going to realize that God's nowhere to be found and you're going to fall on your face. And that's a sad place to be. 
especially when it was completely unnecessary. God has planned for an undefeated season. God has promised. Because see, Canaan's land is not a type of heaven. It's a type of the victorious Christian life. And God wants you to be victorious. God wants you to be more than a conqueror. Well, preacher, I've been defeated. Do I quit? No, it's time to get up. And I want to go into that so bad right now, but you, I can't. But don't stay down. Get up. God's not through with you. If God was through with you, you'd be in heaven. Let me say it again. If God was through with you, you'd be in heaven. If you're still breathing, God's got something for you. It's time to get up. Get up, gather up, and giddy up. Amen. How many of y'all are ready to talk to God about the next decision you make? Amen. Let's all stand. Everyone stand to your feet. Father, thank you.